Hello, how the tech are you? This is our weekly tech show on Echoplex Media. I am historian Matt, and I'm joined here with uh, producer Dave and HK, HK Perrin, as it goes by often. Uh, we're just going to jump straight into stories. So, um, yeah, uh, my first story is... Uh, well, I'm just calling it, please, Tesla, can I sell my Cybertruck? Have you guys heard about this yet? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw it on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> so real quick, I'm going to go over some of the, the details. But basically, uh, you know, Cybertruck starts delivery later this month. So people who actually got it, did the pre-order stuff, they should start uh, getting them in uh, the mail or however they send them. I don't know. But um, there was a clause in the terms of service that is now deleted that said Tesla could sue owners for $50,000 if they sold the truck within the first year without first getting permission. The clause was removed shortly after people noticed it and reports began to spread online. But uh, before the removal, Cybertruck buyers had to first offer the truck back to Tesla if they didn't want it anymore. Um, and they had to... Uh, you know, basically Tesla could either take it back, but if Tesla declined to take it back for whatever reason, the owner could resell the Cybertruck, but only if they received like written consent from Tesla. So what do you guys think? I, I'm sure you guys are all eagerly awaiting for the test to the Cybertruck to come out. I, I like how you thought it was going to come in the mail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like, I see what they're doing. Like they're trying to like keep people from like, uh, what do you call it? Scalping. Yeah. Saying like, Oh, I've got a cyber truck and I'll sell it to you for like two times the, the market value. But like, I don't think enough people are going to want one of these that they'll be able to scalp. Uh, it's surprisingly popular. Like I wouldn't think so. There's a lot of problems with the cyber truck that I, that I think, uh, like a when small we mentioned hill. it before the problems in the design of the cyber truck itself. But it does seem to be very popular. A lot Didn't of people a whole are bunch of people cancel their pre-orders, though. Uh, I, they still have a ton of pre-orders, and you have to look into what who is canceling because I know, like, one of the guys I followed online, he's based out of Australia. He didn't cancel his, but he uh, switched with somebody else to a later date because they weren't going to release it in Australia uh, initially. So uh, he has to wait anyway. So I think you know looking into the reasons why they're canceling is uh, important, but, but yeah, it's to me, it seems like it's still very popular. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, this sounds like almost like it's cyber truck as a service though. If you can't sell it, do you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, this it kind of yeah. is similar to what some other mainstream you know, or legacy automakers would do with their really high end cars. Uh, if you buy like, you know, I, I, I don't know what <laughs> high end cars are, um, was it, I guess the Ford GT or something when that came back out, like, uh, you couldn't sell it for the first year or you'd have a very, it's a very similar thing to what's going on with the Tesla truck. So they're kind of selling the Tesla truck as like a super high end vehicle when it's really not. Um, yeah, I know Ferrari has some stuff like in your yeah, contract Ferrari when you buy a that. Ferrari, but yeah. I don't, I don't know too many people who buy a Ferrari and are like, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> So somebody, I, I didn't write it down. There was somebody famous who just recently did the thing where they bought 
I don't know if it was a Ferrari or, or what, um, but it was one of these like high end cars sold it really early and then got fined by the company for that. He bought it from for, uh, for selling it before he was allowed to. So I think that, that you know, you're saying, you're saying that this is popular, but I think when people start receiving this thing, it's kind of a piece of shit. And when people start receiving <laughs> it and then they start publishing their, uh, uh, first of all, we're going to see a lot of interesting tech bro misadventures, right? <laughs> with, yes. With this thing, they're like, oh, I could just drive it across the river. Elon said so. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, wow, I watched a video of it struggling to, uh, to get up a hill that a Toyota RAV4 had se- seemed to have no problem getting yeah. up. So, so uh, that's what I'm waiting for. But I think like, I think there could be a way in which once p- people start receiving it and like, maybe it's people who were enthusiastic about it. And they get it and they're yeah. like, this isn't a very good truck. Maybe people start canceling their pre-orders then and it won't be as popular. Um, <clears throat> I do see there maybe being a market where people like initially right at the beginning where you could get it and double your money on it by selling yeah. it to, to some tech bro. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm like, generally, I don't like this kind of stuff because like if you bought it, it's yours. Yes. Yeah. I agree. And if they, and if the, somebody could buy it and like sell it for more then why aren't you selling it for more to initially? Right. Right. <clears throat> yeah. We'll see. Like I said, my, I, my, my hope is that we watch, we, I hope nobody gets hurt. Don't get me wrong, but I, I yeah. cannot wait for the miss the, the, you know, there'll be like a Twitter account, like the misadventures of the cyber truck or something. <laughs> and it'll, just be, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I guess they took the language out and I, I think like, um, you know, with the demand as it is, I think that, um, there's, you know, a uh, low likelihood that, uh, most of the people that buy it will want to resell it unless they hate it. Yeah. Unless it's like really bad and that could definitely happen because it's a weird design and it's from a company who hasn't made trucks before. And so, um, who knows? And the design team didn't really like the design. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> the right. things, the things that I know my truck can do, like certain things I know my truck can move. I wouldn't be able to move those same kind of things in the Cybertruck because of the fucking slanted bed walls. I've <laughs> never understood that. Like trucks should not have slanted bed walls. Period. Didn't, didn't GM make one that everybody made fun of that had like slanted bed walls and it looked all plasticky? Are you thinking of the Avalanche? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Avalanche was supposed to be like a truck that you could convert into an SUV, but it turns out to just be like a shitty truck in truck mode and a shitty SUV in SUV mode. Right. And <laughs> they're not even trying to do this with the Tesla, but I think the cyber, I swear to you, the cyber truck is just, is just Elon's thing that he thinks is cool (laughs) right that's just all that it is and (laughs) it's it's you know it's it doesn't look practical but that's not really what we're talking about here i but i think the people that are like just really all about tesla aren't going to be interested in selling it in the first year anyway because they want it in their driveway if it can make it up their driveway (laughs) (laughs) that's the important thing well, we know that it's, uh, you know, bulletproof. And, uh, I think, I don't know if you've been watching some of these videos about it, but they also tested firing, you know, bows and arrows, you know, arrows at it and it, you know, <laughs> stopped them just fine. Just 
just in case you're ever in a medieval war and need to get through with your cyber truck in case you ever need to just, rescue friar tuck <laughs> yeah exactly just don't drive it to a baseball game because it's definitely not baseball proof <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh man all right what do you got next matt all right we sec uh so my second story i just called ape fest and for fun again you guys know what i'm talking about <laughs> uh, yes i know all about it because as a as a person who's thrown uh raves uh where there were powerful lights uh we had to consider uh where do you point the lights yeah <laughs> really so if you're wondering what dave's talking about the um Basically, the board ape creator says UV lights at Ape Fest burned attendees' eyes and skin. Uh, ape Fest is a conference and party. I, I mean, kind of both for people who own the board ape NFTs. Uh, if you know anything about NFTs, you probably know about the board ape NFTs or have seen it. It just looks like an ape. There was an image up earlier. Um, they're just different versions of this head of an ape. I don't know. It was really popular. They sold for, I think some of them sold for almost millions of dollars. Uh, but this, uh, this ape fest was held in Hong Kong over three days during the first weekend in November. And they think that, uh, some ultraviolet lights set up in the corner of the event somewhere caused the problem. So yeah, I was gonna ask Dave, like you probably know more of what happened here. <laughs> Yeah, is it wrong um, lights or is it wrong angled lights or what? I mean, you know, even just the the lights I have here in the studio, you're not supposed to look right at them, and they're fairly low power. They're like each of the little circles in the um like the the, the club style lights I have are like one point five or two watts. <clears throat> you're not supposed yeah. to look right at them if they're if they're close, especially. But even if they're far away, I mean, I've gone down to like the light behind me. I've actually when I've gone to adjust it, I've accidentally looked at it, and it reminded me of that scene in Ghostbusters where he's like don't look directly at the trap. And he's like, I looked at the trap, Ray. And I, that, that, <laughs> but like, then there are these, just these, this little bar of lights that are kind of stuck in my like field of vision. And these are low power lights. And um, I imagine at an event like this, the lights are much higher power. And you have to be like, when you're designing uh, event spaces, you have to be kind of conscious of how, m how many lumens the lights you have are putting off and where they're, where they're pointed. Um, you know, when you look at the stage, you're like, well, those lights are pointed sort of at the people, but the lights that are pointed up are generally pointed at people's knees. And then they just kind of the rest of the, like the, the, you know, the light will wash out a little bit and the, what they, what gets on most of their body is the light having washed, washed out, not the direct lighting. Um, and they just, you know, these are, these are people who, these are people who are stupid enough to buy these apes and promote them and, and think that this is some kind of investment opportunity. So they were probably stupid enough to think they could just kind of put the lights wherever. Yeah. I heard yeah. that it was, uh, it was not just that, but like these lights were the like medical grade ultraviolet lights that are meant to sterilize like surfaces and instruments and things which you're not supposed to look at that kind of UV light, the, the very high energy UV light. Uh, like it's the same kind that will give you a sunburn uh, and even higher energy than that. Uh, that will damage your eyes. And one thing that, uh, that makes this like even more, uh, 
even more dangerous is you can't see that ultraviolet light, the ultraviolet light that's like so energetic that it could give you a sunburn or even like more energetic than that. You can't see it visibly. So your light, your, your eyes don't react to that light and shrink your, your pupils like they do in sunlight where, you know, if you walk out on a bright summer day and you're like out in bright sunlight, your eyes are going to shrink and you're going to get less ultraviolet radiation in, into your eyes. Whereas at a dark, uh, event like this that happened at night where they've got like the only source of lights are these lights that are shining on stage. Uh, your eyes are probably going to be like wide open and accepting all of that very bright ultraviolet light that you can't even see, you know, you, I'm sure you could see some of it because these ultraviolet lights do glow in a visible light, but they put out a lot more radiation that you can't see than like visible radiation, you know, visible light. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, the, the moral of the story here is hire professionals. Yep. <laughs> hire people who know what they're doing for your lighting and your sound um, because you can, you know, you can, the lighting especially can even, even not this particular kind of lighting, just stage lighting in general, you can do real damage to people's eyes with it if you're not like careful where it's pointed. It's also yeah. the same reason you absolutely don't want to wear sunglasses that don't block UV light. Because when you wear sunglasses, you're getting less visible light into your eyes. And if they don't block UV light, your eyes will dilate. Your pupils will dilate to let more light in. And you'll be letting a lot more UV light in that can damage your eyes. Yep. There, there we have it. I mean, it's, it's not surprising. I feel bad for the people, though, because some of this, you know, hopefully it's temporary. But if, if they weren't getting, like, the feedback, basically, uh, like the that it was damaging their eyes. They might've looked at it for a long time. So what, uh, what I've read in this article that's linked there in the, in the show notes, uh, they said it's similar to something called welder's eye that I guess welders get if they don't take, take proper precaution when they're welding for their eyes. Um, it can be permanently damaging. Um, but most people like they just recover by the next day or something. So they'll have, uh, issues, vision issues, not necessarily blinded, but vision issues for, you know, a day and then it'll recover. It's, they said it was sort of like getting a sunburn on your eye. <laughs> like, yeah. I forget what part, it's not your cornea, but, um, you know, a part of your eye there. Uh, yeah. and so just, you know, we re if you recover fine, you, you should be fine if it didn't get exposed for too long. And probably because it was overnight, it wasn't that long unless somebody was really just staring at it all night. And I mean, you never know. This is a, yeah, that's true. This is a, a bit of a rave style party. So somebody might've just stared at the light for four hours. <laughs> true. <laughs> that would probably be not good. Yeah. And yeah, I was also confused. People apparently got, you know, basically sunburns from, from mm -hmm. it. So, uh, I'm yep. guessing it was the wrong kind of light too. Cause yeah. they know there's yep. different versions of UV light and, uh, only one of them actually burned your skin. They tried to pay Although the, the lighting people in Bored Apes, and so they couldn't get uh, <laughs> lighting people. <laughs> now they can go home and say, I, I was blinded by all the excitement at uh, the Ape Fest. You're like, no, no, it was just a terrible lighting. Yep, just terrible <laughs> lighting. Again, just hire professionals. It's yeah. um, other well, safety. So this was, go ahead. This is like in Hong Kong, and I'm, I'm a little concerned, like, 
maybe they thought they hired professionals. Possibly. You know. Possibly. That, that's another issue, but a whole other area. Anyway. The kind of people that this that this attracts or who might throw this kind of event, they probably were like, Oh, I I know how to do this. Let's get the best, let's get the most, the most, the best, the most, and the best, and the best and the most so that everything glows. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> well, that's all I got. Guess it's uh Pink Tim Pool's turn. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I am HK Perrin, and this week I've got uh, my first story is about Fedora 39. Fedora 39 was released recently, uh, and it includes an upgrade to GNOME 45. So if you've been waiting for all the the nice goodies in GNOME 45, it's finally here uh, in Fedora. Uh, Another notable change is that there is no more cute theming that's spelled QT. Uh, if you're using cute apps, which uh, all the KDE apps are cute apps, so if you're using those apps, they might look out of place now that Fedora no longer styles them to look like your GNOME apps. Uh, but at least they won't be broken because sometimes that theming would break uh, the uh, the app itself. Uh, one last note is, you know, I've been using Linux exclusively as my primary OS since 2008. So I've gone through a lot of di- distro upgrades, mostly Ubuntu. Uh, but I have never had an experience as seamless as upgrading from Fedora 38 to Fedora 39. It was, it took like maybe 20 minutes. I hit one button that said upgrade, my computer restarted. There was a progress bar for a few minutes and then it restarted again and Fedora 39. Like it was seamless and wonderful and big kudos to the Fedora engineers. What do you guys think? Yeah, GNOME 45 is great. I have it on uh, the the Ubuntu that I'm on. I'm not on the LTS. I'm on, um, what is it? 2311 or 2310. It's, it's real nice. I had some problems with it at the beginning, but... Like after I like ran updates, it was fine. And I don't think it was GNOME. I think it was something else, but it was, uh, yeah, it, it looks great. <clears throat> I am becoming more and more interested in Fedora, but not interested enough in it to wipe out any machine and install it. So I'll, <laughs> I'll take your, I'll take your word for it. Like a lot, but a lot of people, a lot of people liked Fedora 38 too. They thought it was really great. So it's not surprising mm-hmm. that people are happy with 39. They've done a, they've done a lot and a lot of people when like some of the Linux uh, podcasts I listen to, like at the end of the year, when they do their like best of or whatever, oftentimes the best distro is uh, fedora like the last couple of years. So that's good. I uh, distro hopped for a while uh, at the beginning of this year and I landed on fedora. Uh, it is a fantastic distro. Yeah. My, oh, I thought you went with a different one, but uh, I was going to say, I'm just, use Ubuntu. I don't uh, mess around with many of the different distros, but I mean, it sounds good. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, the odds of me getting off of uh, like a Ubuntu studio base for the production machine here are very slim. If Fedora puts something out geared toward audio production, I'd be very interested in checking it out though. For sure. Hmm. Okay. What do you got next? All right. So my next story is IBM has decided to throw some duffel bags of cash at AI. 
Uh, if you have a good idea about AI, IBM wants to help it happen for a cut of that pie. IBM is launching a $500 million venture capital firm called IBM Enterprise AI Venture Fund to invest in AI startups. Uh, so IBM you know, has been a big player in AI and they're, they're looking to invest in a whole bunch of new companies. Uh, startups and established companies, uh, they're not exclusively trying to fund startups, but uh, yeah, what do you guys think? We'll see. We'll see. I mean, more venture money floating around is kind of a double-edged sword, honestly. Like it, you know, like a lot of, a lot of companies, you know, they look back and they sometimes maybe wish they hadn't taken all that venture money because now they have all these weirdos, usually Peter Thiel, like barking in their ear. But <laughs> IBM, on the flip side of that, IBM is an established legacy player. They're not going to do impulsive things. I suppose if you had an AI startup, having the IBM people uh, funding you would probably be less volatile and um, probably just a more professional overall experience than dealing with like Founders Fund or Andreessen Horowitz or these kind of ego, like personal ego driven funds, essentially. So it, it's good if it provides some like competition and counterbalance to the goddamn maniacs in venture right now <laughs> yeah and it's not just funding they actually uh they they give you advice uh and they they give you like expertise that you can uh you can basically ask for uh, their advice and their opinion on different things yeah that's i mean that's what the venture fir uh, venture firms are generally supposed to uh, it's one of their roles yeah. anyway but again you know uh, with with IBM, it's just this, they're a legacy firm, and they're going to probably be more patient and have a longer view and uh, do less crazy, impulsive things. So, it, I think overall this is good. I'm just disappointed that somebody else has already thought of a uh, Cat GPT. Could have got some sweet IBM money. <laughs> cat G GPT is just whatever you type in, it just meows back at you. Yeah, that's it's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it is, it's adorable. Yeah. Like I said, this is probably good. We'll see. I, but I also, um, I'm also just wondering like, at what point do we reach sort of like peak AI to the point where there's so much venture money sloshing around that it's basically impossible for all of the investors to ma be made whole on all of their investments. And will there be like a giant crash as like a result of this? Well, I'm sure there is, will be, but whether it's, you know, two years from now or 15 years from now, who knows? Well, I, I don't think anybody like currently would be made whole because as far as I've seen so far, like the AI that's come out recently, like is not particularly useful. It's kind of a fun to uh, toy to play around with, you know, does some nifty things. You can generate some interesting images and stuff, but I don't see like people getting the return on investment that they, I think they're expecting. I yeah. mean, it's, it's a new tool and it hasn't, uh, been like, there are still a lot of niches that could benefit from the tool that it hasn't really, uh, settled in, I guess you'd say, uh, coding is certainly one of them. A lot of writing code, 
like people, when you say I'm a, I'm a software developer, people think like, oh, you spend like 90% of your time writing code, which is absolutely not true. I spend maybe like 10 to 15% of my time writing code. And the majority of the rest of my time is figuring out what to write and like how to interface it with other things. So if I could take out that chunk of, you know, just the, the nitty gritty grind of like actually writing the code and focus a hundred percent or near a hundred percent of my time on the, uh, you know, integrations and system design, uh, it would be, you know, a productivity boost. But right now I don't trust chat GPT to write good code. Uh, even if I tell it exactly what I want written, you know, I wouldn't trust it to know, you know, that, you know, it, it needs to write an algorithm that runs in like, O of log N time versus like, you know, it might do something stupid and then I'm going to have to sit there and read through that code and review it, which takes maybe not as long as writing the code, but it's, it takes a significant chunk of that, of that time that I save just to review all that code that ChatGPT writes or, you know, whatever code generation tool, Copilot or whatever. Well, yeah. cool. I really like your next story. <laughs> All right. Truth Social, Donald Trump's social network company, has lost $73 million since its launch. Uh, my first bullet point on this is just, ha ha. <laughs> this number comes from a new financial disclosure made public during a merger. Uh, the company that owns Truth Social is trying to merge with another company. Uh, and yeah, they had to put out a uh, financial disclosure. And yeah, they lost $73 million. Well, you have to, you have to figure like where would they have uh, gotten any profit? The, the point of it <clears throat> was just to basically be a megaphone for one person. And who wants to advertise on that? You know, yep. They did take in like uh, several million dollars. I think they had you know revenue of uh, of like one point five million dollars this year, but it's like they're operating at such an enormous loss. You know, they're losing like tens of millions. That bringing in you know one one and a half million isn't anywhere <laughs> close to to being profitable. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I I also like <clears throat> I don't think that was the point. But now that they're trying yeah. to merge with another company, I'm I'm now I'm trying I'm I'm a little confused as to what's even going on. I mean, yeah, I'm confused as to what's going on. Like why why would they merge with another company? Because I don't think the point of it was ever to be profitable or competitive with you know like X Twitter or whatever. I want to point out that it's two orders of magnitude less than what Elon Musk lost on Twitter. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, Donald Trump is a better businessman than Elon Musk. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> sort of a, who's the biggest loser uh, fight going on there? <laughs> yeah, but the, 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 right. the flip side of that is there is some path for Twitter. Whereas with truth social, there yep. is no path like for profitability. Yeah. 
they're not going to attract advertisers. And whether or not the company's profitable, whether or not the company's profitable, really has nothing to do with how much money Elon Musk himself personally lost by buying it for too much money, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess. It's, All right. I guess it's my turn. That's my last story. So. All right, I'm producer Dave, and I am the producer of all of the shows here on Echoplex Media. Um, that is either a good thing or it is a bad thing. Uh, my first story is a former FTX people have decided to launch a new crypto exchange. This should just be illegal. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know how or who decided that they should be able to do this, but uh, what we have here is the. The company is called Trek Labs. Trek spelled like the bicycle. Uh, maybe Trek will go after them. I don't know. Um, it is led by the former general counsel of FTX. And their holding company is based in the Virgin Islands. And uh, fellas, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> oh, boy. What's it? I thought he was one of the people that was uh, getting indicted or something. The uh, legal counsel or... Or did he get away with it because he ratted on everybody else? I think he testified against everybody else. Okay. I think he was one of the really bad guys. Like it would have made sense if it was like some lower level guys from FTX who just had the technology for making a, an exchange, but this sounds like the same exact thing is going to happen again. <laughs> yes. It's like, yep. if, ever, ever <laughs> press the restart, restart button on anything. That's what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who puts their money into this deserves to lose their money. But yeah. the thing is, the the thing about it, right? You you may when you go to an exchange or whatever, you may not even know it's these people because they may abstract it under like other shell companies or whatever. Because as as you know, as we've learned, these people are not um, opposed to a deceptive business practices as a as a matter of principle. So you know, they they may they may find some way to market it in you know some kind of cool way that makes it seem interesting to people and um you know the the saga continues i suppose well i the issue is not just like shell companies because i mean it you'll somewhere along the line you'll end up with a weird uh exchange that um is new and you probably shouldn't you know there's a lot of red flags around it probably will show up so uh if you're at all savvy you, you shouldn't do it the problem I feel like a bigger problem is all of these exchanges through like different, um, you know, you know, they talked about like, oh, what do they call it? The DeFi uh, idea that they had going on in, in crypto for a while where, which is basically people were borrowing crypto from each other and, and loaning stuff, making loans and stuff on, on crypto that happened like between all these different exchanges and they all got like intermeshed with each other. And then when one of them had a problem, like everybody had a problem. Uh, and that really was a big problem with uh, FTX as well. Uh, so like what worries me in general for the crypto market is this company is going to get enmeshed with a bunch of other crypto companies that may actually be better companies, but somehow it's, it's going to all collapse because they're doing something really bad. Right, they haven't even started, and we were we're already accusing them of crimes, is what we're saying. Yes, here. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the minority report, that pre-crime thing—that's what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even ChatGPT knows. If you ask ChatGPT, should I invest money in this upcoming uh, Trek Labs? Uh, ChatGPT would just say no. 
<laughs> Even cat GPT would say no. <laughs> no, meow. <laughs> meow, no, meow, meow. Yeah, exactly. Bad, bad news, everybody. Bad news. Um, I think that uh, right now, if <clears throat> now's a good uh, wait and see period for all this, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, the, all the people who bought board apes though, they, they may have a new thing to invest in once they can see again. <laughs> once they can see again. They're like, I don't know if my apes got stolen. I can't see them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Up next I have, um, in Europe, you can opt out of ads on Facebook and Instagram, but it's not cheap. Uh, this is uh, Meta's response to EU regulation. Uh, Meta seems to be claiming that now because they're uh, able to charge you for an ad-free version that you're uh, making a choice to uh, have targeted ads sent to you by not paying. Um, to go ad-free is uh, basically €9.99 per month uh, or twelve ninety nine in euros on the uh, app. And in March, users will have to pay an additional six euros for each additional account they have. Basically, if you have like a, a meta or a Facebook account and you want to attach your Instagram account and also not have ads on that instead of this nine ninety nine or twelve ninety nine uh, in euros fee, it'd be you'd be adding six euros for each connected account. And that's stupid. What do you think? I don't think it's stupid. I think that's fucking great. You remember we used to like charge for services? Yeah, I think we should go back to doing that. That was a great model. Yeah, a lot of services are better if they, you know, charge for it because you know yeah. who the customer is and they have to make the customer happy. So yep. in this case, though, they're just they're 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 reasoning here is the problem. It's shady, right? They're because yeah. the, they're <clears throat> the they're saying that the the EU regulation says that you have to be able to opt out of um, uh, ads that track you or whatever, right? And their claim here is that by not paying them, you're opting in to the ad tracking. And yeah. so that's bullshit. Although to be fair, my experience on Facebook recently is they don't actually have targeted ads. It's just all the ads I've seen recently were very untargeted and crappy and I was completely uninterested in them and it was terrible. All my ads are for Teslas now. And I think it's because every <laughs> really? time I get an ad for a Tesla, I go in there and I dunk on the, the weirdos in there who are like, <laughs> who are just like, ha ah. I constantly get ads for like sports stuff. And I'm like, I mean, there's nothing wrong if you watch sports, but I don't, I'm not interested. Why are you advertising this to me? Maybe you're the target market. Cause the people who already watch sports, I watch am. sports, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> How else are they going to get new people watching sports? <laughs> <laughs> well incessantly advertising sports to people who are not interested in sports is probably not going to help yeah it's gonna um, piss them off like like i said the only the, the reason this is dumb is because you're not able to actually opt out of the uh tracking like you're like according to the eu regulation yeah. they're charging you to they're basically charging you to allow them to comply with regulations <laughs> and it's like yeah. well I do agree with HK that um, that it's fine to uh, let people pay instead of getting ads, but I just think that they the way they're doing this, and they're uh, only rolling it out in the EU, and they're doing this to try to sidestep regulation about tracking and advertisement. If this was yeah. just something they were rolling out system wide, where you could pay you know whatever amount, and then yeah, maybe a small amount more for each additional um, 
um, you know, service that you're using or account that you have. Sure. That's fine. But the, <clears throat> the reason it's fucking stupid is because they're just trying to s skirt the regulation by saying, well, if you don't pay, you've opted in. Yeah. I would say that this, this goes against the law. I don't know if it goes against the letter of the law, but it certainly goes against the spirit of the law. Uh, so I think the, the best option for like everybody is to keep going along this path of like making targeted ad companies unprofitable. Cause like <laughs> the world became shitty with that. So like if we can unshittify the world and make it like make it commonplace to just pay for a service again. Like why is that bad? Why can't people do that? Like everyone basically knows already like if you're not paying for something you're not the customer, you're the product. Right. Um and if if it was if they offered if what they were offering was of value they wouldn't even have to charge this much for it cuz they're not making 10 euros a month off of you from the advertisers they're just not yeah if they were Probably they'd not. be they'd be even richer than they are they're just not making 10 bucks a month off of you although there was a uh, estimate by google a while ago that but i think they were including like the entire internet they they were like if people paid for the internet instead of uh, had you know looked at advertisement, people would have to pay like two hundred dollars a year for uh, access to the internet, that kind of internet, or the stuff they want on the internet. And yeah, but that's um, across. Um, that's surprising here. a lot about what. That's across everything, though. But that's across everything. Yeah, two hundred dollars per a year. year. I believe that was a year, not a month. Why can't we have that world? I like that. That sounds. I know. I would pay two hundred dollars a year for no advertisement on the entire internet. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. Can we have that, yeah. please? And I'm. <clears throat> if they rolled this out everywhere, <clears throat> but then they they still. I think in the EU they still just have to uh, uh, let you opt out of tracking. Like I think they, yeah. they just have to let you opt out of it, and that doesn't. I'm telling you, there. You are not. <clears throat> They, they're violating probably the letter of the law by making you pay. You're basically paying them to be in compliance with the EU regulations. <laughs> like, Hey, would you like us to follow the rules? Give us 12 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it was like those, uh, I don't know if you've seen the advertisements for that company that goes around and supposedly, uh, sends letters to these companies that are the data tracker stuff to get them, get your data down from mm -hmm. their websites. And it's just like, that's great, but you're paying for something that like should be automatic. Like you shouldn't have to go through all this stuff to, uh, get your data removed. And supposedly they do it repeatedly because you can get your data taken down and then they'll just collect it again. <laughs> it's like, well, that makes no sense. Uh, I don't think that's against the law, but that certainly seems to be against the spirit of the law again. Yeah. <clears throat> and honestly, like you were saying about the targeting of, of ads, I, as I use, uh, almost all these services, um, less and less for personal things and more and more yep. just to, uh, essentially digitally panhandle so that I can continue to do these shows. <laughs> <clears throat> now it doesn't know what to advertise to me. It has no idea. I mean, it, 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 every once in a while, it'll be like, here's a podcasting course. And I'm like, friendo, I think I know how to do that at this point. I'm just, there's a, there's a bit of a ceiling as to how good I'm going to be at it, but I don't think this course is going to help. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I think that the, that if it's a if it's like a group course, I don't even want to meet the people there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this is this I it's it's dumb and the except that it's like HK was saying, if you could if I could pay Meta twenty bucks for like a verified badge for um Echoplex Media because it it's got some cachet with it, it's still on Meta, and then no ads for twenty bucks a month, I'd yeah. think about it. If if it also got those uh, Instagram ads are the worst. I hate the ads on Instagram. It's like <laughs> <clears throat> I'm never going to be as pretty as he is. Stop it. Stop showing me pretty pay, people. I do pay YouTube like what is it like fourteen dollars a month or like fifteen dollars a month for no ads. It is like, so nice. I don't have a problem paying for a service. Yeah, but like with Facebook, you can't even pay for the service. And Your in this only case, option is that they they'll track everything you do. And I mean, you can pay for verification and I think it does reduce the number of ads. Um, but like in this case, again, you're just paying them to comply with the law. And I think that's stupid. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they're there. They should just comply with the law. I sh- you shouldn't have to pay them in the EU for them to comply with EU regulation. And there's targeted ads are like the, the, um, like the return on them versus just sort of randomized ads like you might see on a TV commercial the the it's not as is the difference isn't what it once was because people hate it now and they know what it is yeah. and mm-hmm. I think yeah I think it's mostly just and I it, it may also just be that the targeting is getting harder because more people are using things like ad blockers or FB purity or you know there there's any number of reasons that it's it's getting harder to target ads properly or because Amazon people just buy stuff right away now right they don't go shopping on like nine different places for it so by the time <laughs> it figures out that you're looking for a bed frame the bed frame is on your front porch yeah yeah so. well the other thing is you buy a bed frame and then they advertise other bed frames to you for like the next week you're like I'm already bought it Right. Why are you advertising this to me? And that's, I think, I, mean, it's ba- I think it's based on an older model where people would shop around a little bit more, even online for yeah. stuff. And now you just kind of know that like, well, if I want it tomorrow, that yeah. kind of, uh, that kind of system works great for us bed frame collectors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really weird when it's durable goods that they start advertising to you. Right. I could see like, if I order groceries online, I could see getting like stuff for like a new grocery, de- like a coupon to try a new grocery delivery service, like for perishables. But I'm just like, why are you, what do you mean? Why are you advertising desks to me? You, you must know <laughs> that you, people don't buy that many desks. I, per- I looked at desks, I purchased one and now I have them. The only thing, the only thing that it is smart, it, it does every once in a while advertise microphones to me. And I'm like, all right, um, all right, this is, this, this is pretty smart. The, the sure company, you figured it out. I do want that 50th anniversary SM7B, but I am not paying that price for it. Uh, hell no. Oh, a contest. Yes. Amazon knows that you have a problem. Uh, uh, it's mostly Facebook where I get ads for uh, microphones. Uh, Twitter, Twitter, they don't do advertisements for microphones because Twitter spaces, you can't even use a real microphone. You have to use your phone. And so they don't want to give people any ideas over there. <laughs> anyway, we digress. It's been real and it's been fun. And that's uh, the end of my uh, segment. Um, HK, since you haven't been here, you get to close out the podcast part of the show. All right. Thank you for joining us. This has been How the Tech Are You, our weekly uh, tech news show. 
If you'd like to check out our other shows, you can do that on echoplexmedia.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can do it on patreon.com slash echoplex or eplex.store. Have a great tech and week.